reentry. This new series is all about coming back home, coming back to God. Whether you've been far away from Him and you're coming back, whether maybe you've been around but not really connected and you're looking to find your place, or maybe you've been in with God, you've been home with God, you've been a part in a family with God, but you're just hoping for more. That's what the series is all about. It's about re-entering into a life-giving relationship with God. And last week we looked at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24, the parable, the story of the prodigal son. It's a beautiful story of redemptive grace and, and how just gracious the father is and how receptive the father is to receive back the prodigal son, the younger brother, even though he was so far away from him. But this week, to fully grasp this whole story, to fully grasp this parable, I think we've got to look at both characters. So this week we're going to look at the prodigal brother, as I'd call it, the older brother. And we're going to dive into the rest of this story. But just a quick recap for you. The prodigal son. Who is the prodigal son? Who is the younger brother? Well, the younger brother, he goes in this story that Jesus tells. He goes to the father and he says, hey, I want my inheritance. What, what's owed to me, uh, I want that and I want it now. Well, to ask for that was extremely offensive. To ask for the inheritance was extremely offensive because that wasn't supposed to pass until the father passes away. And so to do that was basically to say, Dad, I don't care about you. All I care about is what you're going to give to me. But the father, because of his grace, his love, he decides I'm going to go ahead and give my son his inheritance. The son goes and he parties and wastes it and lives a, a frivolous life. And then all of a sudden, as this is all happening, a famine hits the land. So the prodigal son, the younger brother, he had no friends, no food, and no home. He decided this is no life. In fact, I would rather go back to my father and be a hired servant. It would be a better life to do that than to live how I'm currently living. So he makes the plan and he goes to the father. And we know in the story, and if you haven't watched that, I encourage you to go back and watch last week's uh, message. But we know in this story that when he comes back, the father is looking for him. He sees him. He runs out to him. He meets him in the field, embraces him, restores back to him everything that he lost loves him, brings him back into family. Then he goes on to throw him a giant party. And that's where we're picking up today. So Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. is where we're starting. So if you got your Bible, pull it out. Luke 15, 25, it says this. Now his older son, so it's the other character in the story, the older brother. Now his older son was in the field. He's working. And he came and he drew near the house. So he's coming back from a hard day's work. And he heard the music and the dancing. I mean, so this is a big party. I mean, he could hear it from a distance. The older brother says he hears it. He can tell something's going on. There's the house was bumping. The lights were going. The, the music was going. I'm sure there was a, a feast. And we know that there's a feast that got ribeyes on the grill. I mean, all the friends and family were invited and this giant party's happening. And says the older brother, is, his, he can hear it. He can see it. He could probably smell it so grilling something good on uh, the a Yoder smoker, I'm sure. But it says he, he hears that, he sees that, and he calls out to one of his servants. And he asked, he goes, what's, what's going on? What do these things mean? In verse 27, it said, he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So the servant tells him, says, hey, your brother's back. He's back, man. This is great news because that dad's throwing a party. He killed the fattened calf. That, that is ribeyes and ribs you smell. I mean, that's what's going on right now. And great news, right? I mean, that's what you would think. But the, the older brother, he has a little bit different response. He, in fact, he's not excited at all to know that his younger brother is back. It says in verse 28, but he was angry and he refused to go in. 
His father came out and he entreated him. He, 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 he tried to talk with him, tried to get him to come back, inviting him to come to the house and the party. But verse 29 says, but he answered his father and he said this. He says, look, these many years I have served you. So, I mean, imagine this, the, the older son. I mean, your dad is sitting there talking to you. And the first word that you say to him is not dad, not father, is look, for all these years, I've been doing exactly what you say. Uh, so in this moment, I mean, this is a blatant disrespect. He doesn't call his dad, dad or father. He immediately cuts right to the chase and just says, dad, this is jacked up. And, and he has no respect and, and almost this, this no re- reverence to his position or his relationship. He says, I've served you and I've obeyed you. I've done exactly what you've asked me to do. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat. So catch this. He says, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, so he separates himself from his brother. He doesn't say when my brother, when when my brother who I've missed and who I've longed for and would hope would come back. He doesn't say that. He says, when the son of yours, when he came back, who this son who devoured your property with prostitutes and living a frivolous life, it says he did this, that you killed a fattened calf from him. So here I am, the older son, the the righteous son, the one who's done all the things that you've asked me to do, and you wouldn't even kill a goat. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even like cook the, the euros and have some lamb shawarma. There's none of that. You wouldn't do that for me. Yet when, when my younger brother, who was this, this crazy dude who, who disrespected you and shamed you and went and lived a crazy life, when he comes back, we throw this huge party. I don't get it, Dad. I, I don't understand. I, I, you know, someone like him, is there not a line, Dad? Is there not a moment where you say, Dad, th- he's gone too far. Like, he's done too much. He's been t- brought too much shame on our family. He can't come back. He can't, not only should he not come back, Dad, we're, you're throwing a party for him. So you can see here this older brother, I mean, he's frustrated. He's angry. The scripture tells us he's angry. That, 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 that this, the father would just drop all of the frustration, drop all of his of, uh, of his failures and almost like it never happened and embrace him and have him back in. What the older brother didn't recognize though was this, was that he was not so unlike his younger brother. In fact, we're, we're often more similar to our fellow man than we realize. And in fact, even in our differences, a lot of us find some similarities. Here's what I mean by that. Younger brother, he wanted the father's things, but he did not want the father. The older brother, wanted the father's things, but did not want the father. Same response. He didn't go live a crazy life, but yet at this moment, he didn't have enough respect for his father to to submit under him. He just was doing it, hoping that he would get something in return. His obedience really was an exchange. The younger brother, he, he was a sinner. He went out and lived a crazy life, embraced the world. He was far from the father, yet the older brother was angry at what he would call sinners, or and he despised the world, yet here's the similarity. He was still yet far from his father. So younger brother, far from the father. The older brother, yet he was close in proximity, was still far from the father in his heart. The younger brother believed he was owed his father's gifts. It was in his inheritance. Dad, give me what you owe me. And the older brother believed he earned his father's gifts. So why is Jesus making a big deal about it? Why is Jesus telling a story? Why is he making a big deal about the older brother? I mean, he was a good guy. He stayed, he, he served, he did what the father asked him to do. He, was, he didn't go off and live a crazy life. He was there, he was obedient. Why is Jesus taking the time to tell us this side of the story? Like, why is that even important? Well, in Luke 15, verse one and two, the very beginning of this, 
you, you get a picture of why Jesus is talking about these two different characters. It says, now there were tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. So these are people that were on the outcast that, that society, that the elite of society looked down upon, the tax collectors and the sinners. These were the, the outsiders. These were the people who most society viewed less than. It says they were drawing near to Jesus. They, they were wanting to hang out with Jesus. But the Pharisees and the scribes, so these were the educated, these were the well-received, these were the higher people in the socioeconomic classes. I mean, this is, it says that these people were grumbling. So as the people who were far from God, people who in society would say, maybe are different or on the outside, and they're drawing close to Jesus, this disrupts and it makes the, 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 the religious, the upright, the, the wealthy, makes them frustrated. And it says they're grumbling, and they said to Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So why is Jesus telling the story of not just the prodigal son and how the father receives him, but also what I would call the prodigal brother, the older brother? What's important because Jesus was talking to two different people. In that day, in that moment, when he's sharing these stories, he's got two different audiences that he's talking to. There's a group of people who feel like they're the outcasts of society. And Jesus is saying, hey, the father receives you. God loves you. You have a place here. It doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've gone. You have a place here to call home. But then he's looking at the religious and saying, hey, even though you think you've got it all together, even though you think you're right, even though you think because you're living a certain way or you have certain things that you get this, God still loves you too. In fact, we see this. The father goes out to the older son and he goes out to the younger son, both. So two characters who think they're very different, but the reality is they're both coming from the same place. They're both far from home. They're both far from the father. You see, I think it's easy for us to see sinners who need God. And I put that in quotation because we're all sinners. And it's hard for us to see good people who need God. But the reality is there's, the world is full of good people who still need God, still need a place to call home. They still need uh, a savior. So the younger brother, it was, it was his sin. Catch this. This is, this is really good today. If you're taking down notes, if you're watching online, this is good. This, the younger brother, it was a sin that kept him from Jesus. But the older brother, it was his goodness that kept him from Jesus. I, I mean, when I, when I was studying this story and reading this, man, that hit me with so much conviction. How much, how often do I just do certain things because I feel like I'm supposed to do certain things or because I'm religious or because I, I think certain ways and I'm doing them in an exchange, not out of a relationship. So the younger brother, it was a sin that kept him from God, but the older brother, it was his righteousness. It was his good living. That was keeping him away from God. And there's, there's two different perspectives on this. I'm going to get a little bit deep on you here, but uh, a little bit philosophical. There's a term called moral relativism. And moral relativism, this is basically, it means this. It's morality is based on my own perspective, not truth. That there's no biblical sense of right and wrong. What, what is right and wrong is based off of how I feel what is right and wrong. So that's moral relativism. Uh, and so if I believe it's good or if I believe it's okay or if it makes me feel good, it should be right to do. If I believe it's hurtful or if I believe it's wrong or if I believe it's maybe outside of what I would define as morality, then it's wrong. So I decide that. Okay, so that's moral relativism. That's, that's basically the younger brother. The younger brother says, I know it's wrong to ask for the inheritance, but I want it. I know it's wrong to maybe go and live this life and do these things and maybe it's hurtful to other people, but I want it, so I'm going to do it. And because I want to do it, it's right. That's the younger brother. Well, then there's moral conformity. Moral conformity is this. It's morals based, morality based on a shared sense of truth. 
So there's a group of people who say, hey, this is right and that's wrong. So moral conformity means I conform to a group or I conform to maybe a religion or to a pattern. And, and this, this is basically what happens when there's moral conformity. You start getting this idea that obedience actually leads to people to being in and those who disobey or disagree with you, they're on the outside. So when there's moral conformity, you find people who believe similar to you, you partner up with them and everyone else is wrong. We're right, they're wrong. And this was the older brother. This was his perspective. So you have moral relativism. I believe in what I believe defines right and wrong. And then you have the, the older brother. Well, there's a shared sense. There's the father's house. There's this obedience. This is what our culture does. And what, if I believe that, then I'm right and everyone else is wrong. You see, what this shows us is that we can be so focused on right living that we can actually miss being right with God. I see this, and I see this some with my Christian friends and, and in different churches, different religions. I've seen this before. In fact, I've maybe even participated in this before. I can be so focused on doing the right things that I actually miss being right with God. And here's what God is saying. It's neither of these. It's not moral relativism. It's not moral conformity. What I'm calling you to, uh, it's not about being good or bad. It's not about how you feel about something or don't feel about something. It's not about what you agree with or don't agree with. It's about what Jesus did on the cross for us. And this is what Jesus is saying. It's the humble who get in, and it's the pride who don't, prideful who don't. So when Jesus is calling us home, when the Father's calling us home, it's not, a, it's not like, have I done enough right things? And we see this in the prodigal son. He didn't do a lot of right things, yet the Father received him home. Here's the older brother who's done a lot of right things, yet he still wasn't home. He was unwilling to go home, back home with the Father to celebrate his younger brother. See, the gospel of Jesus is not morality. It's not based off of moralism. You cannot do enough good to earn heaven, to earn a relationship with God. Salvation is a gift. It's not a purchase or exchange. There's no amount of right things that you can do to be saved. So this, I like to say it this way, and I've said this probably a couple times as I've, I've preached over the years, is this, is you don't do good to get God. You get God, and then you do good. There's an order to these things. And if, if I try to do enough good things, then what I think is drawing me closer to God is really just making me feel righteous in myself and making me feel like I'm actually earning what God is willing to give me freely. And so um, here's another way to look at this. Religious people obey God to get things, but gospel people obey God to get God. So we approach it a little bit differently. It's not that obedience is bad. It's not that, that opening up God's word and learning this and reading this and trying to live a life to that is bad. In fact, God calls us to that. But we don't put that ahead of a relationship with him. There's no point that we graduate past grace where we go, hey, I'm good enough now. I actually don't need what Jesus did for me. And so obedience, is, should, be, uh, obedience should be a response to grace, not a requirement for grace. So when we want to live a life, so you're saying, John, I want to be a follower. I, I'm trying to follow God. or I'm trying to be a good person. What are your obedience and, and trying to be a good person? Those are not bad things, but it should be a response to how, God good, how good God is to us, not us trying to earn his grace, not us trying to earn his love. And this is the beauty that we see in the prodigal son story, the younger brother, is that he did no things good, yet God still loved him. In fact, Romans tells us that, that um, Romans 8 tells us that uh, while we were still yet sinners, 
that Christ died for us. So it wasn't that we had to do enough good things that then God said, hey, now I'm gonna send my son and now I love you enough that I'll actually make a way for you to have eternity. No, it says that while we're still yet sinners, while before we got right, God sent his son to make us right. So we gotta embrace that, we gotta experience that. So you may be asking yourself this today and I hope you are. I challenge you to ask these questions. How do I know if I'm an older brother? Like, how do I know if that's me? How do I know if I'm on this religious elite mindset and I, I maybe am judgmental or maybe think I'm earning things and maybe I'm not quite right with God when it comes to that side of my, right, my life? Here's a couple questions or a couple ways you can look at this. The older brother believes they are right and everyone else is wrong. So have you ever looked at yourself and, and maybe looked at society and maybe looked at the culture and go, I'm right, everyone else is wrong? There's an unwillingness for you to listen, maybe an unwillingness for you to look, an unwillingness for you to learn and see what others are experiencing and see what others maybe are going through and say, is there something I can learn? So if you ever look at around the world and, and today, man, this, could be, this is happening all over the place on social media with the things that are going on in our world and the pain that our world is in with the racism and murder and the different things that we're experiencing. There's, I see it in the comments and it's, it's, it's disturbing, it's disgusting, it's frustrating. But you see a people who are so full of themselves or so much pride that they look and say, I'm right and everyone else is wrong. If you think that, if you have that perception, maybe if you've typed that, there's a chance you have a little older brother in you. If you're not willing to listen and to learn and to maybe love others. Maybe here's another way. Maybe you believe that some are outside the grace and love of God. Maybe if you ever looked at that and you say, okay, there's a line that's got to be drawn. If you've done that or if you've been there, if you've experienced those things or you believe this or whatever it is, you may say, hey, there's the line. And that's what the older brother, in essence, was wanting the father to do. So hadn't he done enough bad things to not be welcomed back in? And if you've ever done that, chances are you might have a little older brother in you where you say, man, if someone's done that or if they've done this to somebody or they've, they've done this thing or they, whatever it may be, and you say, that's, that's the line. God's love can't cross that. You might have a little older brother in you. Another one is to say, maybe you believe the way they live generates more for your life. So you believe if I live a certain way, then God's gonna bless me a certain way. If you believe that, then you're almost approaching God with this exchange type thing, or maybe like a vending machine. You're walking up to God and putting a couple quarters in, and you're going, I want some A4, give me some Skittles in my life. And if you're approaching God that way, you believe that by living a certain way, you're gonna get more, you might have a little older brother in you. Maybe if you believe that there are pretty good people in this world and, and then there's bad people and there's good people and there's bad people and you believe there's this, this separation and, and there might be a little older brother in you if you're not willing to recognize that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here's the last one. How to know if you have any older brother in you. Maybe you believe that your perspective on life is right. That how I see things is the right way. How I experience things, this is right and everyone else must be wrong. My perspective, my, my viewpoint on life, my belief on right. And this kind of goes to that moral conformity. You find a group of people that say what you believe and, and maybe repost what you believe. And you always, if, if you're anything like me, you maybe have done this, you go to the internet and you start looking for different things that back up your beliefs. And if you look hard enough, you'll find anyone in something, some article, some news story, someone out there that will back up what you believe. And you, you, you're looking through only your perspective. You see, I, and I think that when it comes to perspective and your perspective, that's all it is, right? Your perspective is only yours. Uh, in fact, I heard someone say this the other day and you said, you know, what you should do is you should walk a mile in someone else's shoes. You've heard that statement. 
You know, if you really want to have their perspective, you've got to walk a mile in their shoes. Well, that's really difficult because the reality is your experiences are different than mine. What you've done or what you've experienced or where you've been or your parents or your jobs or your friends, it doesn't matter how much I can try to see things through your lens. It's going to be very difficult because I have my own experiences. I have my own perspective, my own beliefs. So you might not be able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, but here's what you can do. You can walk a mile beside them. You can join up arm in arm and say, hey, I might not be like you. Hey, you may have done different things than I've done. You may have been different places than I've been. You may have a different skin color than I have. You may be different in some way. Maybe it's socioeconomic or skin, whatever it may be. And say, even though I, I, we may be different, I'm going to choose to love. I'm going to choose. I'm going to drop this older brother act and think that my way is better or higher than your way. And I want to listen. I want to learn. I want to walk beside you. And I want to do life with you. And, and I want to grow in grace for you and uh, for others. You see, I think we need fewer Christians trying to be right and more of them trying to do right. I'm going to say that again because that's really good. We need fewer Christians, fewer of us, fewer of you trying to be right, and we need more of them trying to do what is right. Being right with your fellow man is so much better than being right. Uh, and so let's pick up verse 31. Let's finish the story because there's some great stuff that it says. So it's the father, he says to him in verse 31, says to his son, after the son was disrespectful and said, I'm not going to the party, dad. I've done everything you've asked and you still aren't doing anything for me in return. The, the father says this, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and to be glad for this, your brother was dead and now he is alive. He was lost and now he's found. You see, this is how good God is. He meets both of the sons in the field. I think a lot of times we read this story, and if you've ever read this story, you read the story only from the perspective of the prodigal son. And you go, well, Jesus loves those who are far from him, and the Father loves those that are far from him. If they come back to him, he embraces them. And that's a beautiful thing. That is grace. But God also loves the prideful and the religious, and he's calling out to them also. He, he met one son in the field who was far from him, and he met the other son in the field who was also far from him. Different perspectives. They were similar but different. God was willing to meet both of them, call them both back home. You see, and that's good news for us. It doesn't matter if you're approaching God with brokenness or a mess, or maybe you feel like your, your life is spiraling out of control, or maybe you're approaching God today thinking, I kind of felt like I've had it all together, but maybe that's not right. Maybe I need to soften my perspective. Maybe I need to broaden my perspectives. Maybe I need to try to see life through the, through the lens of other people. Maybe I need to, to try to drop this older brother act and try to have a little more grace and love. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're coming thinking your life is all together, you're coming knowing your life is a mess. Here's the good news of the gospel. And this is what's so cool about God is that he loves both people the same. He doesn't categorize people by, by different things or different beliefs or by different colors or by different socioeconomics. God says, I love everyone and I'm calling all of them home. See, today, some of us need to repent from our sins and some of us need to repent from our right living. Maybe you're like the prodigal son and you feel like you're far from God. I invite you to come back home to, to this the series called Reentry. It's just coming back to God. You got a place. It doesn't matter how far you've gone or what you've done. You've got a place home. God receives you. He loves you and he wants to do life with you. It doesn't matter that maybe you're the older brother and maybe you feel like you're close to God, but you're not really with God. Maybe you've been living the life, you've been doing the things, you've been trying to be a good person, but you realize now that you don't really have a relationship with God. In fact, what you had was an exchange. You approach God saying, if I, if I do this, maybe he'll do this for me. And if I live this or obey this, maybe he'll give this to me. 
I want to challenge both of you today. Both of you are welcome to come home. Nothing lights up the heart of a father. Nothing excites the heart of a father than when his kids come back to him. And that's why the, the father can throw a party for those, the son that was far from him. In fact, the, the New Testament tells us that every time just one person, one person comes back to God, says that heaven throws a party, the heavens rejoice. And that's what God is looking for today. He's looking for you just to come back home. So I, I want to just pray for you. And, and if, if you're watching this, I want to pray for you, no matter if you're on, on the prodigal son or maybe you're on the prodigal brother's side. I'd encourage all of us, we have a, a way that we can come back to him and he's ready to receive us. So if that's, if that's you, if you're the, if you're the prodigal son um, or you're the prodigal brother, this is what I want to challenge you to do, just, just to pray with me. Pray with me today. Dear God, we love you and we thank you. God, we thank you that you love us so much. God, that you sent your, your son to come to this earth to make a way for us, to die on the cross for us and then to rise again for us. God, we thank you that your, your arms like a father are open and that you receive us. Um, today, maybe there's those that and they think about their earthly father. It's nothing like what this story sounds like. And God, we know that even though our relationships with, on this earth sometimes are complex and, and messy and broken, God, we know that we have a heavenly father that loves us no matter what. No matter how far we've gone, no matter how prideful we are, no matter how broken we are, we can approach you today and that you love us. And for that today, we say Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.